cutoff story this week at number 11. Former Florida gubernatorial candidate Andrew Gilliam says, I don't identify as gay, but I do identify as bisexual. We posted this for you guys on Monday, the 14th of September, and you responded fairly well, but not well enough to go deeper into this as much as this has so many angles to talk about because it's at number 11. You want to know what the top 10 stories are, and we'll get to those in just a moment here on the weekly wrap up show for the week ending September the 19th, 2020. And welcome to the show. My name, Jay Cleveland Payne. This show, the weekly wrap up, is where we wrap up the week's worth of news stories uh, from a large batch and let you know which ones were the top stories that you said were the most important, most conversational stories of the week. Yes, per you. We don't go through a list of algorithms. We don't go through any sort of real math stuff. We don't try to guess what's going to put the biggest response out there. We don't even pick the ones that we necessarily love the most. We let you choose the stories. Okay, there is an algorithm, but what we do is you follow our conversation project on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, look for This is the Conversation. On Twitter, it's TH underscore conversation. And you just follow us on social media and just look for us in your feeds as you check things throughout the day. Don't do anything necessarily out of the ordinary. Just as you look to say what your friends are doing, what your family's doing, see what's in our feed. If you see a story we're posting from various different sources, some more credible than others, some you may like more than others, just look at the title and engage with it. Read the story. We'd love to do that. But like it story, love the story, hate the story, share it with other folks. And the more engagement that a story gets in social media, the higher score it gets at the end of the week. We take the Twitter score and the Facebook score and put them in a spreadsheet that algorithms them, not a real word, into a one fine big old score. And we'll give you the tops and the bottoms of every single week. The top, of course, means number one. The bottom story goes all the way down to 177. We had some issues getting some things posted this week, but that's how many stories you had in the queue, and you'll hear what the top 10 stories are in just a moment. This podcast is powered by you. Not only are you picking the stories in that sense, you also help keep the thing going along. So if you want to help be a part of what we have to make things work out, very simple. Just visit our sponsors in any of the forms you see, either in our feeds or in our newsletter or at our website. You can also go to our website at thisisaconversation.com slash partnerships. And become a financial partner with what we have going on. It's like NPR. You can be a sponsor, a part of the family. And most importantly, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and are sharing with other people. Questions, comments, concerns, and cool memes can be sent to the conversation inbox at gmail.com. We can chat about pretty much anything you want to offline. Well, technically still online because it's email at the conversation inbox at gmail.com. Let's go into this countdown for this week, starting Casey Kasem style at number 10. Our headline is Street Outlaws mechanic Christopher Kennedy Ellis, 39, found dead in his home. Thursday, the 17th of September's day, we posted this one. This story gets a bump in response. That means more people were responsive to this story than the last story of 3.03%, making it into the top 10, and the other one not. From People Magazine's the source we got this. I'm gonna read a little bit on this one because this is one that was we post a lot of stories that are just seemingly random. Uh, some are trending, some are just sort of there, and this is one that picked up enough steam to be in the top ten this week. So let's read you a bit about this man if you're not a follower of the show. Christopher Ellis, best known by his nickname Kentucky on Discovery Channel's Street Outlaws, has died at the age of 39. The car mechanic was found dead in his home in Oklahoma City on September the 9th. 
Authorities discovered Ellison's home surrounded by liquor bottles and a syringe, quote, with a small amount of dark liquid inside consistent with heroin, unquote. An incident report obtained by People said. Ellison's roommate and two friends told police they had not heard from him for two days, according to the report. The roommate told authorities that he had previously tried checking him on Ellis, but his door was l- closed and locked. Two friends told police that they were aware Ellis had struggled with alcohol and drug use, the report said. Police said that foul play was not suspected and that a medical examiner responded to the scene. You can go deeper into the story and basically all the stories you have by going to our website, thisisaconversation.com, and clicking on the link for this week's podcast, of course, week ending September the 19th, 2020, and actually see the links to everything we talk about, including the story that we had in the teaser that we're not talking about because it make top 10. If you want to go deeper into this, check out the website for the link for this week's podcast, and you can go deeper into all the stories. As I said, I'm not familiar with Street Outlaws or any of the characters so this is not one that would have picked up on my radar, except for the fact that I have to fill, basically fill news stories with what seems like is interesting. This is obviously interesting, interesting enough to make it into the top 10 this week. At number nine, the headline reads, Trump says he is down to participate in a four hour debate with Biden on Joe Rogan's podcast. Monday, the 14th is the day we posted this one. This one gets a bumper response from the number 10 story of 2.94%. So I'm not sure there's any confirmation from the White House itself, but here's the story. And we pulled this from Mediaite because they're media people, Uh, essentially because Donald Trump's on Twitter a lot. He was basically just responding to a tweet out there. So let me read you from the Mediaite story just so you know kind of how things went. President Donald Trump says he's down for a four hour debate with former Vice President Joe Biden with podcast host Joe Rogan moderating. The president declared the willingness to participate Monday morning in Monday morning's tweet after seeing a post from retired UFC fighter Tim Kennedy discussing Rogan's proposal. Kennedy appeared as a guest with Rogan last week, during which the host of the widely listened to podcast offered a referee a four hour showdown between Trump and Biden. Who wants this? Kennedy said of the debate, mostly being joking. And then Trump says, I do in a tweet reply. So we know that Trump, because Twitter is law, I guess, says that um, he's down for the debate. Now, whether Biden even knows if this thing's going on, not a knock against Biden, but because it's just the oddest thing ever. Uh, we don't know, but we do know that President Trump, at least for you Internet folks, made the call or is trying to make the call to get in there. We'll see if this actually happens. I doubt it'll actually happen. President Trump's trying to get an extra debate for some odd reason. I guess he just loves to talk, loves the airtime, thinks it's going to help him, work for him. But any way he gets an extra debate, I guess, will work for Donald Trump. This way, we'll see if it actually pans out. Let's move to the story at number eight. More than 20 injured in crane accident in Austin, Texas. Posted on Wednesday, the 16th of September. Bump in response from the number nine story of 5.71%. Here's a quick read on the story we pulled from AP's website, the AP News. Two cranes collided Wednesday at a construction site in Austin, Texas, causing one of them to partially collapse and injuring at least 22 workers who were sent scrambling for safety, authorities said. The cranes collided and got tangled several stories above a building under construction a few miles north of downtown in a rapidly growing neighborhood that included residential, retail, and office space. The developers also included a children includes a children's hospital near the accident site. Austin Travis County EMS spokesman Darren 
Nowak said in his news conference that 22 workers were hurt, including 16 who were taken to hospitals with non-life-threatening injuries. The cause of the accident was still under investigation. This is a much deeper article than that is. That's just the first three paragraphs that gives you all the details that you can get through and kind of have a conversation with it. But you can go deeper in the story by, of course, going to our website, click the link for this week's podcast and seeing how that one goes. Let's move on to Detroit Lions linebacker Jamie Collins, who this week got ejected after demonstrating helmet, a helmet hit on a referee. The insider pulled us this story. We pulled it and put it down on Monday, the 14th of September, with a bumper response from the eight story of 8.11%. Now, everybody is happy that football's back, and we will all see essentially how long football will stay back without any problems. Football is having all their games in the normal way in the normal stadiums with normal travel although many stadiums aren't having any fans but they're pumping in sound to make it at least on tv kind of sound like it's working okay but uh, there are some gaffes and some some misfires from the first week of football and football brady's and jenner from early week nfl training camps did happen but there weren't any preseason games which many people think's kind of cool but that also meant a lot of people didn't get a chance to really get any testing of the players. So there was some rust going on. Some players were basically exposed in some cases. And, of course, well, we'll get to another big story in football this week coming up in a bit. But this story is dealing with the Detroit uh, Lions, who, uh, despite this one thing, also found a way to pull victory from the jaws or pull defeat from the jaws of victory in Detroit Lions fashion in that sense. But early in the game, a player got got hit the helmet and the helmet helmet hit into uh, into the chest. Uh, it was pretty jarring. It was pretty obvious, and he was trying to explain it to the referee. And he did it by basically ducking his head. When he ducked his head, he ducked his head into the, the moving referee, who of course moved into the helmet, punching him in the face, getting him ejected. Now, that wasn't what actually got them to lose the game. That was just one part of the seriousness that is the Detroit Lions. As much as I love the Lions just as a as a affable team, they always find ways to do things like this. And we'll see how their season goes going forward. The story at number six this week, Mike Wallace suspended indefinitely by NASCAR for social media posts. We got this from Yahoo Sports. Saturday, the 12th of September is the day we posted it. And you guys saw it as more responsive than the last story. By 7.15%. This one is a harder one to explain, so I'm not going to explain it. I'm going to let Yahoo Sports explain at least the first couple of lines in the write-up. Longtime NASCAR driver Mike Wallace has been suspended indefinitely by NASCAR for a violation of the sanctioned body's behavior rules. NASCAR did not specify what led to the penalty as is customary. According to Fox Sports, Wallace was suspended for a social media post. NASCAR simply said that Wallace violated its member conduct guidelines, and here's an excerpt from the rulebook, which states, member actions that could result in a fine and or indefinite suspension or termination, public statements and or communications that criticizes, ridicules, or otherwise disparages another person based on a person's race, color, creed, national origin, gender, sexual orientation, mental status, marital status, I'm sorry, religion, age, and handicap conditions. Now, Thursday afternoon, approximately an hour before NASCAR announced the suspension, Wallace posted on Facebook to encourage people to think before making uneducated posts. NASCAR said Wallace must take sensitivity training before reinstated. You want to go deeper into that post and more into the story? 
Go to the website, check the link for this week's podcast for September the 19th, 2020, and go deeper into this one. But with all the talk about racial tension and all the talk we had Bubba Wallace style a few months ago, you would think that more people would think before they, well, think before they say stuff, no post stuff. Apparently, we don't. No relation is dealing with being suspended indefinitely. The next story is a big deal for business and technology, but I didn't realize it was this big of a deal for you guys when I posted it. It's number five story. The headline, Nivea to buy arm holdings from SoftBank for $40 billion. Sunday the 13th is the day we posted this one with a bumper response from the sixth story of 5.81%. Now, we pulled it from CNBC's website, and so they have a, do a great job of basically breaking down the story, so I don't have to read the full thing. But here are the key details. SoftBank is going to sell arm to Nivea. Uh, in a $40 billion deal, the company's announced that this Sunday night, since that day that they posted out there. And ARM designs the architecture for mobile chips used in almost every mobile device in the world, from the iPhone to just practically every Android phone. SoftBank bought ARM for $31.4 billion in 2016, and the sale is seen as a move to raise much-needed cash as it has recently lost a significant amount of money in the high-profile investments in companies like WeWork and Uber. So basically what happened is they had something, SoftBank had something that was actually profitable and sold it for a big chunk of profit, sold it for extra money, made about uh, $8-ish, $8.6 billion or so in the in the sale to shore up the losses from other things that were big, high-profile that aren't making high-profile money right now. WeWork and Uber as far as for as far as the money side of things are in shambles. We work as itself as just a organization having issues as well. Uber not so great in some cases. But right now the one company's trying to fix itself by selling off something that's good, even though it's not might not be hot to keep up with the things that were once hot, hoping that they will be once again I don't want to say that so so hot. The story at number four. Two Los Angeles sheriff's deputies are in critical condition after they were shot in Compton ambush. The insider gave us that one as well. We posted on Sunday, the 13th of September, a bump in response from the number five story of 23.08%. This is a story that's been all over for the last week and has grown in stature and what's happening in it. But the basic part of it was two sheriff's deputies were sitting in a vehicle in Compton last Sunday. A person walked up to the vehicle, just literally walked to the vehicle, pulled out a gun, and fired shots at the officers and ran away. The person is basically still at large. They're, they're doing everything they can to find the person out there. Basically, everybody out there has condemned this attack. Um, the rumor has it, I'm not sure where exactly it came down to, rumor has it it was essentially a retaliation for uh, black lives and, and, and black lives matter support or supporters uh, in, the, in the process. If anyone's actually a registered member of black lives matter, probably not just seem it seeming just seemed like somebody took the shot to make a name for themselves and just be a, be a punk. Now, as the story continued, the one of the officers has been released from, from um, critical care right now. There was a male and female officer. Uh, the male officer was this junior of the two. And essentially, as they were shot, the female officer, of course, injured herself, was doing what she can to save the life of her partner. Uh, he has been released, I believe. The female officer, I don't think, has been released yet. This is ongoing, and we want to know, we want everyone to know, 
And nobody that condones this in any fashion or sense that we all think it's ridiculous. We want justice to come for this guy as soon as possible. A lot of people just yelling death penalty, death penalty. I don't think that's exactly how it works. But we want to get this guy found. We want the full details on why it happened. We want to actually have a chance to properly try a person because no one should be executed in the court of public opinion or in the streets. And these officers obviously didn't do anything but sit in their car and do their jobs, watching out and being vigilant for things happening on the way. This guy, well, when they catch the guy, we'll see what happens. At number three, a story we pulled from Yahoo Sports as well. Conor McGregor reportedly arrested for alleged sexual assault in France denies allegations. Saturday the 12th is the day we posted it. You guys thought it was more responsive than the number four story by 20.54%. A few lines from the Yahoo Sports story. Conor McGregor, through his manager and spokesperson, denied any allegation of sexual assault during a trip to Italy. The wire service agents France Press reported Saturday that McGregor had been taken into custody in Corsica, France, and questioned about a potential sexual assault. Quote, following a complaint filed on September 10th denouncing acts that could be described as attempted sexual assault and sexual exhibition, exhibition, something like that. Mr. Connor Anthony McGregor, wow, was the subject of a hearing by the Gernarmi Services, AFP reported, and I read very poorly. McGregor was traveling on his yacht with his fiancée, Dee Devlin, TMZ reported, that a outlet in France said the alleged incident occurred in a bar. McGregor, whom the New York Times since reported in 2019 was being investigated for alleged sexual assault in Ireland, vehemently denied that he had been involved in alleged incident in France. And of course, the next thing comes from his spokesperson there. Go deeper into that story by going to our website, thisistheconversation.com, and clicking on the link for that story. This is a deeper dive into a story, a deeper dive into a personality whether you like the guy or not, you sh- if you this is the sort of thing that is of interest of you, you should check it out at the website. The next story we classify as a super story. That's one where we combine two or more stories today. It's two stories of a similar nature, things that are basically updates to the stories that happened within the week. And so they don't just spread all over the place. If a story is essentially a big enough or has enough juice and they're within the top 25, we see what the combined stories will do, how well they rank, and especially if they rank well enough to be as themselves within the top 10. These stories did that. Stories at number two and five were combined to become the number two story. Number one story was just so much bigger, so it, it did not have a chance of overtaking it. Here's the headline we used of the top story. Tropical Storm Sally moves towards Gulf Coast as Muta braces for Hurricane Paulette. The story we pulled from NPR Sunday, the 13th of September is when we pulled it. And basically, as it stated, Tropical Storm Sally came to town and went through town and did its damage. Um, not as much damage as the past few uh, or actually Hurricane Sally, I should say. It was a hurricane by the time it actually hit the Gulf Coast. And not as much damage as the past few or more than few hurricanes as we were looking at this past week where there were five named storms just floating around in the, in the Atlantic, just sitting there doing their thing. And what's actually news today, as we record this on Saturday the 19th, another named storm has appeared. This one called Tropical Storm Beta because they've already run through the alphabetical names of the named storms so far as of September the 19th. 
I think they only initially have six Greek letters on tap because they don't expect to have more than 30 named storms in a year. They don't expect to have more than 20-ish in a year, and definitely not by this time. And so we'll see if that story is something that's going to compound on to later stories or if more storms happen. I'm not going to go into the deeper debate on climate change and all that other stuff. That's a, that's a whole other thing. But this has just been a very odd year, and for storms in particular, very busy storm season. Uh, fortunately, it's not been all that busy of of storms that have been of much damage. That's the good news. But the ones that have it sure and done damage have basically done enough for, for all of us to to basically wake up and see what's going on there. Uh, we, of course, are sending out thoughts and prayers to people who are dealing with any storms out there now, any past storms, and, of course, anyone who dealt with Tropical Storm or at this uh, specifically Hurricane Sally that popped up this week. And finally, the story at number one gets the fanfare because it earned it. It was posted on Monday, the 14th of September. It gets a bumper response from the story at number two about Tropical Storm slash Hurricane Sally, a bumper response of 20.7%. A bumper response from the story at number 10, which was a story on the Street Outlaws mechanic Christopher Ellis dying at 39 that bumper response was 354%. And a bumper response from the Almost Relevant Story of the Week, that's the very bottom story that we have, at 177, its bumper response was 77,625%. Apologies for the stumbling and bumbling. What do we have at the number one story? What's the headline? What's it all mean? From Bro Bible, we get this. Bucks head coach Bruce Arias, Arians was brutally honest about Tom Brady's mistakes against Saints, puts blame on Brady for his two interceptions. Ah, so, yeah, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, the Patriots legend, the Super Bowl king, the Thanos of the NFL. Um, we're not sure exactly what the motivation was, but essentially it was Brady wants to play a little bit longer and the Patriots are looking to do some sort of rebuilding. Although they're rebuilding with Cam Newton, so that's a whole other story. Uh, so, so Patriots got a chance to get a new start and get some fresh picks and do some things. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Bucks, who are looking for some sort of change up, were more than happy to take up on Tom Brady wanting to come to a new town and more than happy to take up with his old friend Gronk, who wanted to unretire and get out of wrestling for all of three weeks he was in and go to play football and more than happy to kind of jettison James's Winston because he just wasn't panning out. Only to find out that their new quarterback, who was the GOAT, the greatest of all time, the best thing ever, and the oldest person to throw a touchdown, I believe, uh, wasn't all that great for them. This is the Joe Montana, Kansas City Chiefs version, where he's out there and he's, you know, he's a, an attraction, but he's not really playing all that great. And it's only one game in, so you got that. But the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Bruce Arians, basically put, you know threw Brady under a bus, under a boat, hit him a couple times, threw a couple actual goats at him. It's, it was just amazing. Tom Brady got all this heat for basically screwing up in his first game. He wasn't terrible. He was still Tom Brady-ish, but he was not as crisp and clean as he has been in the past. And definitely took the blame before the two interceptions that he threw against the Saints. Saints got that big win and that big chance. Uh, so this is going to be a different type of season. We'll see for all sort of football, especially like we said, there was no there was training camps, 
We're no preseason games, no real chance to really test a lot of things. And we'll see what happens with Tom Brady in a brand new division, brand new uniform. What happens as the power struggles in the NFL find their ways to bust out and, and see what happens on those ends. This podcast is powered by you, as we said. So if you want to help work out the podcast, we could use your help. Now, if you paid attention, if you're new to the podcast, none of this stuff makes any sense. But if you are uh, been listening for a while or maybe a long, long while, you've noticed a slight change, maybe not so slight change in the way we're presenting things today. We're doing some changes, doing some things to liven things up and just be modernized, if you will. Uh, but we still need just as much effort from you guys to help keep things going. Now, the main way you can support the podcast is to listen to the podcast and, of course, share it with friends and share it with enemies, share it with people that are randomly on a street that you know that you see. Just tell them about the podcast because we think it's great. Make sure you yourself are subscribed to it as well so that you don't miss out on episodes coming down the line. But if you want to step in for a little extra support, we would love it. Just go to our website. This is the conversation dot com slash partnerships. And you can become a partner in helping keeping things go along, basically keeping the lights on for this podcast, even though it's going to be a little shorter for a while while we kind of feel our ways in this new format. It still takes all the same amount of resources to get the gash darn thing done. So that is the way it works. So if you want to join us in that journey, go to this is a conversation dot com slash partnerships and, you know, see if there's a way that you and your wallet can come in to help keep things going. Of course, as we said, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook, it's This is the Conversation. On Twitter, it's TH underscore conversation. And the best way to support is be a part of the voting council. Reply, respond, react, be engaging to the stories and the stats out there, and you will make this thing happen. So at the end of the show, we're still going to go over um, our our errors, omissions, apologies, and 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 screw ups. And so, what we had, of course, this week, the only thing that was really out of the ordinary was the change in format. So, if you're new to the podcast, it was as of last week three segments. Now it's just one big segment. I guess technically two segments because that last part can be the split, where uh, we would go through the top ten. Then we go through 11 through 15, what were on the fringes. We not, weren't doing that anymore. We just told you that what number 11 was in the opening tease. And then we'll, we'll get to what we call the almost relevant story in a week. That's the story at the very bottom. It's usually a late posting story that doesn't have a lot of time to gestate, which is the case this week. We'll get to that one as we come out of the thing. But just some stats so you can kind of understand how this thing works out. We do take engagement stats and some stats to see how the stories pan out. For engagement, uh, just total engagement across the whole slate of 177, and this is a bit of an anomaly because we normally have closer to 200, 190 to 200 stories to go with, sometimes closer to 20 based on the week. But because of what came out this week, the top 10 stories uh, came out to be exactly 25% of the engagement. Normally, it's between 26 and 30%, so it's in range, but just by the sheer math of it all, Top 10 this week turned out to be 25%. The 11 through 15, the, the short range, we'll still do that that range there. But the stories that almost made it in, usually about 5%. This week, 6.11%. And the story at the very bottom, which we told you, was at less responsive than the number one story on the Bucks head coach calling out Tom Brady. 
by 7,625%. It had an engagement of just 0.08%. So not even a full percentage point of people got into this story at all. Headline for the story, U.S. Judge Blocks Postal Service Changes That Slowed Mail. We got this from AP News as well. We posted it on Thursday, the 17th of September. And it basically states just as there, there was. The courts are going back and forth with a lot of things going on in the Trump administration. A lot of changes they're doing, some some for good and some for ill, because if if everything was unopposed, you're probably not really doing anything that's really worth any effort. So one of the things that have been really big in the news is the Postal Service, because the Postal Service has been losing money over the last decade, although over the past few years, it's been making money, not enough to really make up for the past losses, but it's been pulling itself to pulling its weight and doing and being even based on a lot of real creative things they are doing, including getting a chunk of money from Amazon, although they're not so much happy with the delivery service. Also, we have election coming up. We're in the middle of a pandemic and people are afraid of going to polling places. So there's issues on whether the Postal Service can actually handle that volume. So with all these things going on and this trusted vaulted service that people have, Donald Trump has been determined to essentially destroy it. And right now, just really destroy it by putting in a bunch of changes that essentially was slowing down the process of getting things done. And then the lower courts or some lower courts, you know, chopped it down. The appeals, they let it go. Another set chopped it down. Right now, uh, the federal judge has essentially blocked changes that were slowing down the mail. So within a few days or so of basically right about now, we'll see if they can, how far they can revert back to whatever normal is right now, whether it makes a difference for you, for us, for the mail for the election and apparently for the future of democracy. It's all incumbent on the U.S. mail. So there it is. That is your almost relevant story of this week. Story 177 for the week ending September the 19th, 2020. My name is Jake from Payne. You've just listened to the weekly wrap up, a wrap up of news stories that you said, you said, you said were the most conversational, not from the Chiron, not from Wolf Blitzer, not from Neil Caputo. What you said. If you to contribute to next week's batch of stories, you simply just go to your Facebook or your Twitter, follow us in your social media feeds, and as the stories come through your feed, like them, love them, hate them, share them, do what you need to do to make them sound good. That's it. We're done. We're already preparing. We're already posting stories right now to get prepared to see how they'll rank in next week's podcast. So, We'll see you next week. See what's at the top on the weekly wrap up with Jay Cleveland Payne.